moments tonight. And uh, try not to be lengthy. From a very familiar portion of the book of Acts, chapter 3, we're going to continue on. She's my family here tonight. Brother Dylan and Brother Keegan, Sister Natalie. So beautiful of a family. God bless you. And I trust that you cherish them and treasure them. Say amen. amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it sure feels good in this house tonight. You glad to be in the presence of the Lord? Amen. You glad to be in the presence of the Lord? Shout hallelujah. Amen. I feel comfortable tonight. So I'm just, I don't feel no pressure to perform or nothing. I'm just going to preach a little bit. That's all right. Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called Beautiful. Whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called Beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple ask an alms, Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. He gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he leaping up stood, walked, and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising for a few minutes tonight on this subject, <clears throat> the power of positioning, the power of positioning. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> I am uh, <clears throat> very intrigued with the beauty of the Holy Scripture in the light of the fact <clears throat> of how relevant the narratives of this book are for our lives and how frequently you can read a narrative in this irrefutable holy script and relate it to a particular moment that you are traversing through and sometimes while simply trying to survive the weary details of long trying Seasons, we fail to recognize that the length of the trial has not made us lame, but rather made us positioned for something greater. I've come tonight to incite just a little encouragement into every heart that where this church is presently positioned and where you are presently positioned individually is in much greater place than what you had anticipated. And the length of the trial and the weariness of the worrying and the confusion of the season, you must choose faith over fear. Notwithstanding anything that happens between now and the rapture,
rapture. God has positioned and empowered the church to be here and now. What we see in scripture as Peter and John are approaching a lame man are two young men that recently received an experience but have not yet stepped into their calling. They are stuck somewhere in the dichotomy between what had happened in an upper room and what has not yet happened in the fulfillment of their ministry. They have the Holy Ghost and they have promises, but they've not yet stepped into that place of authority where God had called them unto. And so I've come tonight to tell this assembly, it is building in this church. There is something that is, you can feel the undercurrent of it. There is fresh oil that is here, notwithstanding the, the COVID, notwithstanding the pandemic, notwithstanding the fact that many of you have been faced with all of that in the last year. There is something that is building that is far beyond our comprehension. The church is not lame. The church is not in sufficient. The church is not inadequately prepared for this hour. The church is not out of sorts with the hour. I want to reach for somebody. I want to reach for an elder tonight. I want to reach for a middle age tonight. I want to reach for a young person tonight and let you know that you are positioned in a place of power and it's time to simply step into the role that God has called us unto. Jacob is a prime example that we become accustomed to the experience of God without the God of the experience. We're in an hour of, we're, we're, we're literally a Sunday fix. We've almost become addicts to a Sunday fix. Jacob found himself having to take his pillow and make it a pillar because he had an experience with God. But 21 years later, when he's back at that same place, he didn't call it Bethel. He called it El Bethel, the the God of the house, because time had helped him to understand it's not near as much about the experience as it is the God of the experience. If you'll have an intimacy with the God of the experience, the experience is a given, but he had 21 years of trying to live on a memorial and have no move of God in his life. We don't need another memorial. We don't need another story of what has been. We don't need another story of miracles gone by. We need a present day, absolute fantastic, marvelous miracle where he can say, I saw him get out of a wheelchair. Where she can say, I saw the blinded eyes open. I'll be honest and say I'm a little troubled. Lift your hand if you've ever seen a blinded eye open. Lift your hand, please. Two hands. Lift your hand if you've ever seen anybody get out of a wheelchair. Four hands. Lift your hand if you've ever saw a deaf ear unstopped. I think y'all see where I'm going. We had disciples. We had one hand raised. We had disciples that had an experience from an upper room 
but had never put on the mantle of authority where they stepped into the role just like Jesus once had and said, I say unto thee, arise, and it started happening. Our world does not need churches for memorials. Our world needs a church that has a right now book of Acts experience more than just tongue talking, more than just baptizing in Jesus' name. They need to know that they can come in off of the street in their wheelchair and get out of a wheelchair. They need to know they can come with that deaf ear and that deaf ear be unstopped. Brother Whitaker, what are you saying? It's time for the church of the living God to quit just enjoying an experience and step into the role of power and authority and anointing that God has placed us here for. This wasn't an ordinary gate the man was at. There were many gates around the city. But according to historians, this was the only gate that was a wedding between multiple materials. Every other gate in the city was either gold or silver. This gate was Corinthian brass, which means it was a mixture of copper and zinc and gold. And so as you looked at the, at the gate, you could see the interwoven colors of the materials that had been melted together to make a gate. This gate was not meant to be an exit. It was not meant to be a place where that people stopped and never went any further. It was meant to be a place of beauty. But in a place of beauty, there was a man that had been lame for over 40 years that was needing somebody to step into what God had called them unto. This is no ordinary hour. It's no ordinary time. I'm sure your pastor has elaborated on that. But ladies and gentlemen, we are at a place the church has never been at before. We are positioned in a place that is covered by more promises and more prophecies and more powerful prophetic anointing than any time in history. We are positioned between a world that is running needing a redemptive savior and the promise that said, if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray that seek my face I will hear from heaven we got to choose faith over fear it's not an ordinary hour I propose there was more than just one lame man being carried to the gate there were two young preachers Peter and John that were carried to that They were picked up and carried hands and legs and feet and arms and all that. They were carried by a calling. When God had called them and said, leave that boat and I'll make you fishers of men. By virtue of the call of God on their lives. They were called to be, they were carried by that call to that hour. To perform the bidding of the Holy Ghost for that hour. God never gave us the Holy Ghost to give us a fuzzy feeling. God never gave us the Holy Ghost to give us a fix in a time of fear. He gave us the Holy Ghost. That because these works that I do, ye shall do them also. We are here not because that God just simply happened to call us to this hour absolutely not you are here because God entrusted you with 
this hour. You are here because he needed somebody he could trust in an end time church to hold the faith and carry the torch and preach the doctrine and be anointed. He didn't need a pew sitter. He didn't need another number on a pew. He didn't need a babysitter. What he needed was somebody that would say the hour is near and time is of the essence and I'm not going to be just another person praying and I'm not going to be just another person singing but I'm going to step into the role of anointing I've been called unto. Peter and John were being carried by a call and carried by grace. There's enough grace for this hour. I want to say that again. There's enough grace for this hour. Had saints asked me last week, how in the world do you make all the decisions and have to fix everything you've got to fix and put up with everything you've got to I said, there's grace that comes with the call, but it's not just a call to preaching ministry. There's grace that comes with a call when he called you out of darkness. There's more power in you on your weakest day. I wish I had a little help right here. There's more power in you on your weakest day than there is in any accumulation of the hordes of hell. We need to wake up to what is in us. Quit fearing what is without us. God has carried us to this point because there's a lame world sitting at an extraordinary gate that needs a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. I'm carried here by promises. I'm carried here by prophecies. This church has been given copious and magnanimous promises and God will not fall short. He's simply waiting on somebody to recognize I've already been to Pentecost. It's time to step in it. I don't need to wait on the preacher to lay hands on the sick. I'm going to lay hands on the sick. I don't need to wait on the next evangelist to see a blinded eye open. I'm going to lay hands on the blinded eye. Our faith has been weak. Our vision has been short, but we have been carried here by a call and grace and the gospel to walk in that anointing. We got to come to grips with the fact the lack of this is not this is not criticism, but it is an indictment on the church for this hour. We don't have more hands lifted. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about at large. Here we go. We're having more camp meetings and less miracles. Less gifts of the Spirit. I'm not getting a whole lot of amens right now, but the truth of the matter is that's how it is. Less tongues and interpretation. Less gifts of prophecy. There's less going on and we're in a more intriguing, more powerful, and more anointed time than we've ever again. We've got to step into it. It's here. We've been carried here by a call. We've been carried here by a gospel. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but we've been carried here by grace. We just need to step into the role. got to be a wedding I'm not very smart I don't need any amens right there please I'm not very smart but I do know that this Bible says that this man has been lame over 40 years that means when he was very young can I use this young man right here would you let me use you no. is there another very small young man here is there a very small young man here yeah. look right
right here. Come here, young man. Would you let me use you? I'll give you $2 after church. You can get it from Brother Keegan. Would you let me use you? Come on. I won't, I, I, I won't kiss you, I promise. When he was this age, carrying his cup, needing coins for his housing and his food, it, don't, it, it, it didn't take a whole lot of folk to carry him. He could be carried by just a couple of 20-year-olds all the way to the gate. Thank you, young man. But when he got just a little bit bigger, can I use him? I learned to ask the women, hallelujah. It, 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 wasn't just, it wasn't just a couple of 18-year-olds that was going to carry him. It was going to take three or four of them because the burden was heavier because time had passed. And Brother Smith, it wasn't just a bur- heavier burden in time pass. You get a point where he's not going to get any taller. He's getting more handsome, but he ain't getting any taller. If he's like me, he's going to get wider. He's going to broaden his horizon, but he ain't going to get any taller. The burden gets heavier with time. And so the people, Brother Smith, would you come help me, please? Brother Marcantel, would you come help me, please? Yeah, but if you don't mind. It used to be that these two men could have picked him up and carried him all the distance to the gate. I got bad news for you, bud. If you need to be carried all the way to the gate tonight, they can't do it. We'd be in the hospital with a back surgery tomorrow. Or a hernia. After a while, it took three or four, and they needed to be younger. I'm going somewhere. They needed to be younger because the older ones that had been carrying him since he was young couldn't take the burden of the distance and the load, the weight by themselves. He was there 40 years. By the time the man was 40 years old, he was having to find even not just this generation and this generation. He was having to go down to the next generation of young men, four or five young men that could carry him. He was 40 years old. He was fat. It was a long distance, but somebody had to get the lame man to the gate. You're missing what I'm saying right now. There had to be a marriage between the elder generation and the next generation and a younger generation that was willing to say, we're in this together. We've got to get the man to the gate. There's got to be a glory and an anointing. Come on, we've already been in the prayer rooms when the Shekinah glory fell, but we don't just need to tell the stories of what the what the prayer room used to be like. We don't need to tell the story of how we used to run the eye and they used to get out of the wheelchairs. This generation and this generation needs to be wed together in a purpose. We've got to get to the gate and step in our calling and operate under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Our world needs us to step into the anointing. Thank you. Y'all can be seated. Don't send me a bill, please. Making any sense here? There's got to be a wedding of purpose. We're here because of promises, divine timing. I wish tonight we could see where we are. We were in prayer meeting Friday night. We were in 21 days of prayer and fasting. I haven't lost any weight either. I'm gaining weight on fast. How do you like that? 
you nod your head because you have to. So Friday night, I was in prayer, walking back and forth across the platform. And all of a sudden, I wasn't, it was like I wasn't in the building. And I saw an old woman, very haggard face, hovering over our city with a very wrinkled, haggard face with two bowls of vials. She was chanting, and vapor was coming up out of those bowls. And the Holy Ghost said, this is the spirit that has been holding this entire region at bay for generations. And I'm not going to name the spirit because I don't know where this is going, if this is live or whatever, and I don't want to offend anybody. And he said, she's coming down. And I begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, walk across, back and forth across that platform. And everybody else begin to join in. Hey, I, I need somebody to understand here. This is not a normal and, 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 and usual hour. And the spirit world has raised its head, wanting to know one thing. Is the church going to recognize what hour we are in and step to the plate and realize we cannot afford one usual prayer meeting and one usual church service and one just midweek Bible study? Somebody it's got to rise to the occasion and recognize I need the elders, the middle aged, and the teenagers to wear together and and step in the holy purpose. We have been carried to this gate for this moment. We are in divine timing and we cannot miss it. Pastor's not here, so I'm going to be very careful. But this church is strategically, divinely positioned. You hear me. You're not lame because of where this church sits out in the middle of nowhere. You are not lame because some people would say this is a burnover field. You're not at a gate lame because it seems like there's not a whole lot to reach for. You hear me right now. They're coming from every direction because there's something taking place here in divine timing that nothing else can take the place of. But somebody has got to step into it when they get here. I just felt that I rebuked that spirit of doubt in the name of the Lord Jesus. That little foul spirit of Jezebel that just raised her head. You will not have this vineyard and you will not have this gate and you will not reduce or seduce this calling. Somebody's rising up. Somebody feels the call. Somebody feels the need. Hey, mom and dad, don't tell your kid to be an engineer. Tell him to preach the gospel. This place needs a preacher. Don't raise your kid just to be a truck driver. We need a a prophet we need an apostle we need a missionary we need a church planner I'm fixing to get in trouble I'm sorry brother Scott I'll, I'll do it three times if we were as interested in having our kids preach as we are making sure they're on the right ball team we'd have done run the won the world It bothers me when I... Brother, Brother Benoit told me to take my liberty. Here we go. It bothers me to get on Facebook and see so many pictures posted of our kids at ball games and none of them in the pulpit. I lost it right there. 
I'll never be invited. But when I do get invited back, half of you will miss. Don't that bother you? We are in the most crucial, critical moment the church has ever been in. There's a lame man at the gate. He's been there 40 years. And he's waiting on an apostolic church to step into their apostolic anointing. And not forsake the call and the grace and the power and the authority that got them here. neighbor and say, oh, he hit a log. Man was brought to the gate every day. Carried by nameless faces. Somebody that wanted to get him on location so he could receive something. You know, lameness comes in different packages. Some people are lame because they're emotionally frustrated. Some people are lame because of physical problems. Some people are lame because of emotional problems. Some people feel lame because they went through a divorce. They were rejected, neglected, abused, overlooked, and forgotten. Some people are lame because they can't let go of what's in their past. But this scripture setting is an absolute example of the fact that your lameness does not disqualify you from walking in the anointing but rather your lameness is what positions you. We're so worried about what's not just right that we fail to realize what's right about the time that we're in right now. We're so worried about what did not come to pass and the son that is not yet prayed through and the daughter that has not yet come back to God that we fail to step into our anointing. I'm preaching to hell. I want to help somebody tonight. You raised your child right. You raised your child in the house of God. They're not here right now. And the enemy has made you feel lame because you did your best and it hasn't come out like you thought it would. You are positioned to step into something that's greater than you've ever stepped in before. Peter and John, you need to recognize God gave you an experience, but now he's going to use you to Bring an experience. God wants to use us to bring the experience. I want to say that again. God wants to use us to bring the experience. What we got in an upper room was not meant to beat our chest over and put out on a sign and say, We got an upper room experience. It was meant for us to bring that experience. He said, greater works than these shall you do. There's elders in this house that are frustrated because it hasn't, the path to where you are right now has not only been long and wearisome. There's been a lot of disappointments and frustrations and your lost daughter and your lost son and the marriage that you lost has left you feeling just a little bit lame. But I've come to tell you in the Holy Ghost, you're not lame. You're positioned to be used by the Holy Ghost. You've been carried to this hour for this hour. You've been carried to this gate for such a time as this. You got to... Uh, Esther! There's something intriguing about the story of Esther. A lot of intriguing things. But Esther, when Mordecai came to her and said... We need you to get a word to the king. You know the story. She said, I haven't seen him in 30 days. That's kind of bothersome in itself. She hadn't made an effort either. She blamed it on the king, but she hadn't made an effort either. She went into the king. The 
Scripture says she put on her royal apparel. What was she wearing before then? She was living in the palace, but not wearing garments she was fitted for. She was the queen in the right place at the right time, but not wearing the garments that they had fitted for her to wear in a royal time. And in a desperate moment when her people needed saving, the scripture says she put on her royal apparel because that apparel was what was fitted for her. They had measured her just right. The shoulders were just right. The length was just right. The arms were just right. The back was just right because a, a tailor had come in and custom fit royal apparel for her. God has not brought us to this gate for this hour without having custom made anointing garments for us. We've been in the palace called for this hour. We are his espoused bride. It's time for us to put on royal apparel. We have been custom fitted for an anointing in this hour that we have not yet been walking in. If the church, oh Jesus, if the church at large was as concerned with what they could, what they could put on in the anointing as they were what they could get away with and still be saved, we would have already reached our world. We're fighting over beards and mustaches. We're fighting over the length of a skirt. Why don't we fight for the altar where we leave and say, I'm walking in authority and laying hands on people and seeing the blinded eye open. I'm not meaning to hurt anybody. I'm just telling you where we are. We have been carried to this gate for this moment and we cannot fail to step into the anointing we have been called unto. Would you call on him for just a moment? Can you imagine going every day to the same gate? I won't be much longer. I know Fosto's is closed. You're not open tonight, so I can't go there. You need to get a life, dude. Can you imagine going to the same gate every day? You got three or four men carrying you and dropping you off, and you are in sight of the temple. The temple is where you want to be. But your lameness tells you when you get to the gate. And the gate tells you, you can't go any further. This is your dropping off place. 
This is your stopping place. You can want all you want. You can wish all you want. You can pray all you want. You can stare at the temple all you want. You can hear them talking in tongues in the church house all you want. But this is your stopping place. And every day, it don't matter how many coins he got in his cup the night before, he had the haunting of a gate that mocked him and haunted him. When he got there the next day, his bank account may have been bigger than it had ever been before. But there was a gate that mocked him and said, you cannot go any further and you're never going to have a time of rejoicing and you're never going to get into the temple and you're never going to get the Holy Ghost and you're never going to be anointed and you're never going to be used. There was a haunting of a Corinthian brass gate that mocked him every day. What he did not know is that on this day at the gate of mockery was also meeting up with divine timing. And when he sat down that morning, he was but moments from being lifted out of lameness into leaping. I'm, I, I'm telling this church in the Holy Ghost. I promise I'm about through. I know some of y'all saying, God, I wish you'd hurry up. Uh, I'm telling this church in the Holy Ghost. For those that have had a mentality that says this is as far as we're getting. I see a lot of elders and not a whole lot of young ones. You hang on. This is not as far as you're getting. I'm telling you that at the gate that has always seemed to be a stopping point has met up with divine timing. And we are moments from big, from leaving lameness and beginning to be a leaper. And we're going to leap into what God has called us unto. I'm talking about some elders right now that feel the prodding to get back into that place of anointing. I'm talking about some middle-aged right now that are feeling a call to prayer and intercession and anointing like you have not felt before. You've got to step into it. Stopping point is about to be your entrance. There's something I need the magicians to help me. What had been a positioning by need became a divine place of divine appointment. The same place that had been his stopping had always been his stopping point. It was going to be his healing point. And here's one of the clues. And that was Peter and John were going to the temple together. The hour of prayer. Just because we're not fighting don't mean we're unified. You can put two oxen in a yoke that don't mean they're going to pull together just because they're in the same yoke. We like to brag on the fact we don't have any fighting going on, but that don't mean we're pulling in the same direction either. When we're all saying the same thing and all believing the same vision. Uh, some of y'all dreaming of McDonald's right now. Hallelujah. When you're all saying the same thing and praying the same thing and believing the same vision, that something incredible, miraculous, and powerful is about to happen. That man had been there 40 years. And the scripture says when he leaped and ran into the temple that the people were in wonderment. They started looking around saying, we have never seen anything like this before. God used a worst case scenario to bring into the church house and cause a commotion. I've got a question going on. How come there's only one person that is recorded as saying was causing a commotion? And that's the man that just got his 
his miracle? How come the rest of them wasn't already causing a commotion? They had been living on a miracle for no telling how long. I wonder what would have happened if they had been living causing a holy commotion all along. Elders, middle-aged, I know it's been a long, wearisome journey, but we are at the point that you have prayed for and waited on. There has been an incredible foundation of prayer and sacrifice and giving in this church. And some of you have been convinced this is as far as we get. The devil is a lie. We're about to leave a place of lameness and reach a place of leaping because somebody is going to help their pastor. Somebody's going to step into that role. Somebody's going to lift your pastor's hands and say, we don't need anything else in this world. What we need is an anointing. What we need is to see the miracle signs and wonders. I don't know about you, but I don't want my kid to go another year without seeing a blinded eye open. I don't want my young my young people to go another year and see a wheelchair that's not empty. Is that necessary? Ask Jesus. The book's recorded full of him doing that. He is not going to tease us with what he could do not put his same spirit within us and not expect to see the same thing. We're here. We have been carried to this hour. We have been positioned in this hour to step into a role. And the scripture says they were, I'm closing, you stand. Did the magician come? And the scripture says, watch, watch what happened. When they got Brother Bill Smith, I'm going to tell you something. I've seen that man lay hands on countless people and see them healed. God has used that man incredibly in the gifts of the Spirit through the years. Matter of fact, I preached so many revivals for him. One of the places that God helped to culture and nurture me being used in the gifts was at that man's church. God using him. Hey, the scripture says when that one miracle was performed, that the people came running. wonder what dust is waiting to be kicked up who is wait who is who is in a ready position waiting to see that first miracle take place and they're going to come running we elders have been carried to this game the message from that setting is usually always about the lame man There's a lot of us in here that have been in the church a long time. We know how to pray. We know how to give. We know how to fast. We know how to feel after the Holy Ghost. But we haven't yet stepped into the miraculous. It happens every once in a while. And it happens when the high-profile evangelist gets up on the pulpit and can't eat. But what about the Peter and John that just come walking by and say, I'm not going to major on what I don't have. I'm going to major on what I do have in the name of Jesus. And they reached down and grabbed him by the hand. And he reached up and stood up. When we decide to step into it, there's going to be grace that reaches down while their hands are reaching up. And notwithstanding the length of the adversity,
it's going to happen. Somebody say, it's going to happen. I've come to preach faith in this church tonight. You have been strategically, powerfully positioned to step into it. Brother Dylan, God's fixing to start giving you some direction. I just felt there a long time. It's not going to be very long. You're going to start feeling some very distinct direction for what God wants you to do with your life. Just, just hang on. It ain't going to be much longer. If you frustrate this, hang on. It's very close. I'm preaching this church here tonight. He hadn't talked to me. I just know what I just felt. I'll tell you some more stuff in person. At the church. God's wanting to use this church right here. I wish somebody believed me right here. I didn't come to pump you up. I got, I got better things to do than talk, talk with people's emotions. I, I'm not an emotional player. I'm here because the Holy Ghost told me that this is what I needed to do tonight. And that's convinced somebody it's time to step into it. Elders, you're not, you're not past your calling. Something. Would you give me two more minutes? Would you give me two more minutes? Would you give me two more minutes? That's four minutes right there. Hallelujah. When, when Jacob was dying, the scripture says, Joseph brought his two sons to him for him to lay his hands on. Remember the setting? And the scripture, the scripture says that, that Joseph brought his sons toward his old dad. The oldest to where his dad's right hand would lay on his head and the youngest to where his dad's left hand would lay on his head. Because the oldest was supposed to get all the blessing and all of the anointing and all of the finances and be the spiritual leader of the house. But the scripture says that when the old daddy started praying, he wittingly crossed his hands. And he put his right hand on the head of the younger one, the one that should have been overlooked, the one that was not in line to get the anointing. The one that was not in line to get the glory. The one that was not in line to see the miracle signs and wonders. But at the last minute, Jacob, the scripture says, wittingly, he sensed something. He perceived something. He saw something in that younger boy that he did not see in the older boy. And he said, the kingdom is at stake. The promises of God are at stake. Canaan is at stake. And I cannot afford to race this right hand anointing on a hand that's carnal and don't care and does not have a desire for the eternal things and he crossed his hands Holy Ghost spoke to me two months ago and said right now I'm crossing my hands he's placing a fresh anointing on people that thought they were out of the running for him you thought you weren't qualified you thought it was going to be somebody else. It was going to be the preacher's son that preached. It was going to be the singer's son that sang. It was going to be the musician's son that got to be the next one playing. The one that taught all the Bible studies, his son was going to be the next one teaching the Bible studies. It was going to be the pastor's son that went and started the next church. But God said, I'm crossing my hand ones that feel unqualified the ones that feel like they already passed their prime the ones that feel like they don't they don't deserve a chance and they were not in line so for somebody that wants the anointing that you thought you would never have God's crossing his hands and you're going to get it because God has carried us to this moment for this moment. 
Is there anybody that wants to join me in the altar? Say, I want to step into it. Not not just anybody. Listen to me. If you sincerely want God to use you to lay hands on the sick, not just every once in a while when 25 others are praying, but when you walk in the hospital, you can lay hands on them. When 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 you're in the store and somebody breaks down and starts crying, I don't want it to wait till the next service. God positioned me here. God called me here. It's time for me to step into what I have been called unto.